This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show, folks. For those of you who may be joining us for the first time, welcome I'm uh, John Roseman, your host. The show is called Because I Said So. Why? Because I Said So. And if you want to, you know, get a picture of who I am, what I do, et cetera, et cetera, you can go to John Rosemond, J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com. I'm a family psychologist, outlier, doesn't believe in psychology, thinks it's a secular religion, it's created more problems than psychologists even know how to solve, bogus, et cetera, et cetera. But I am one, and it's convenient to stay one because then I can say all that with a degree of credibility, being that I am a supposed insider. I have written about 20 books on parenting and family issues, write a nationally syndicated parenting column that appears weekly in about 250 newspapers around the country and run around the country nine months a year giving talks primarily in churches and Christian schools. I'm also married to the same woman for 48 years. One has to say that these days, to the same woman. It's, it's you know, to make... Um, Sure that everybody knows that it's not a cumulative total uh, from three different marriages or something like that. We have two 40-something-year-old adult children and seven grandchildren, ranging in age from 7, 8, 8 to 21. And uh, so uh, my wife and I were married when we were 19 years old. And I was, uh, she was 19, excuse me, she was 19, I was 20. She had just turned 19. We had our first child a year later. Well, actually, nine months later. Got married, went on a honeymoon, got pregnant. Uh, nine months later, had a child. And brought our first child home, Eric, uh, who is now a international corporate pilot. Married to the same woman for 25 years with uh, four boys. Brought Eric home. January the 22nd, 1969, in a, uh, a friend's car, a friend gave us a ride from the hospital, came and got us, gave us a ride, uh, because we didn't have a car. And uh, we came home to a 40-foot-long, single-wide trailer that was parked in the backyard of a deputy sheriff of the town of Macomb, Illinois, where I was in graduate school at Western Illinois University. And Willie and I, we, we were reminiscing about this with some friends the other night and talking about how we would go to the uh, grocery store, uh, I think it was called Eagle, and we would buy uh, 10 uh, Swanson chicken pot pies for 15 cents a piece. And this is what we lived on, was Swanson chicken pot pie. Uh, we occasionally threw in there spaghetti, no meat. We uh, occasionally had eggs and bacon for dinner. Uh, whatever we could scrounge up, folks, uh, the most important thing was feeding our child properly, which we always did. But uh, we did not come first in that equation. And um, we were talking about the fact that young people just won't do this today. We didn't have a television. 
we i don't think we I, I don't remember us having a stereo in that particular environment although i think we did have a record player but it wasn't a stereo um and and we were talking about the fact that young people just won't do this today uh willie and i uh had both come from upper middle class homes in the suburbs of chicago and had not wanted for anything when we were children um you know, although our parents were fairly conservative, as parents then tended to be when it came to giving to children. Um, but we, um, we just felt like, uh, you know, the independence, this was some state of paradise for us. Even though we were in a 40-foot-long single-wide trailer, we didn't own any of the furniture. We did not have a television, a stereo, just a record player, plain old portable record player, fold up the top, grab it by the handle, and take it to the next party, you know, whatever. And uh, young people just won't do this today. When they get married, they want um, uh, to come home from their honeymoon and walk right into a condominium and uh, uh, pick up their uh, Mercedes-Benz coupe at the airport and... uh, so on and so forth. I mean, they want a two thousand dollar stereo and a fifteen hundred dollar, you know, fifty four inch diagonal three D flat screen on the wall, and and uh, you know all the furniture that they can buy from IKEA. They all go to IKEA, and um, they just won't do this. They they won't suffer hardship. They won't suffer hardship. I was listening to. Michael Medved the other day, he's a talk show host, and I generally agree with, you know, what he says. Uh, another way of putting it that putting it is I agree with most of what he says, which is what people say about me. John, I agree with most of what you say, and my answer is, you know, most is good enough. Most is all I can hope for. I'm trying to get people to think, so uh, if sometimes I royal your thinking, R-O-I-L, well, fine, that's my job. But Michael Medved is a, you know, he's a good guy. He's out of Seattle, Washington. He started off as a movie critic, moved into a syndicated uh, newspaper column, writing a syndicated newspaper column and doing this syndicated talk show. And I like him. Uh, he's, he's not as good as, uh, you know, the others, Dennis Prager. I like Dennis better. I even like Michael Savage better, but you know, that's, uh, uh, some people think I'm bizarre for admitting that, but I, yeah, I just, uh, I laugh a lot when I'm listening to Michael Savage. Whether he intends for me to laugh or not, I laugh a lot. But anyway, I'm listening to Michael Medved, and he's talking about the fact that uh, millennials uh, aren't leaving home, that uh, more and more of them are are living with their parents. And so we're talking about kids, uh, young people, 18 to 34, I believe it is. Living with their parents, especially young men living with their parents, they're a higher percentage of young men in that age group living with their parents than there are young women living with their parents. And Michael Medved, whom I generally agree with, started talking about, uh, well, you know, he doesn't see anything wrong with that. Now, mind you now, Michael Medved is a conservative radio talk show host. And to me, the word conservative, I mean, it means something. It's not just a label. It's a, it's a, uh, 
uh, it comprises, in my estimation, a proper worldview. It is not the sum total of that worldview, but it is an element of a proper worldview. Is conservatism, political conservatism, social, fiscal conservatism, and he proclaims himself to be a conservative. And I'm listening, and he's talking about the fact that there's nothing wrong with millennials living at home. And I'm thinking there's nothing wrong. And then he starts talking about the fact that if his children, who are young adults and who are millennials, came home, that would be fine. And uh, he would welcome them back home. And uh, it would be great. And they would all live together once again as one big happy family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm thinking, oh, Michael, you, you, you just, you don't get it. This is bad for America. This is not good. From a conservative point of view, this is not a good thing. These young people are not getting out there and doing all that they can to support themselves, to be responsible for themselves. And personal responsibility is a prime tenet of a conservative philosophy. It is not something to be taken lightly. And if your children come home at the age of 30 and go, Mom, Dad, I just, you know, I can't find a good enough job and I want to live home, this is nothing to celebrate. And it uh, it sort of it didn't sound to me he was celebrating the idea that his parent that his children would come back home to live with him and his wife. First of all, more young men are living at home per capita, percentage wise, than young women. And this is very interesting because it speaks to, in my estimation, not entirely but in part. What I refer to is the collapse of masculinity in America. And the collapse of masculinity began in the late 1960s with the uh, what Rush Limbaugh calls the feminazi movement and the postmodern feminist movement. In other words, this very aggressive anti-male feminist movement. And I believe that large numbers of men began to believe that the way they were being characterized by feminists and now increasingly in the increasingly left-leaning mainstream media, the way they were being characterized as natural aggressors uh, who just wanted nothing more than subordinate women and children to their heavy iron fist and uh, that they uh, were devoid of uh, emotional sensitivity and were just sexual predators, all of them, that men began to believe, because this was sort of a mainstream media mantra now. Uh, Gloria Steinem would go on talk shows and she would talk about this stuff, and Dick Cavett and all the other talk show hosts back then, Johnny Carson, would all nod their heads as though this was very profound stuff. And, and uh, so this stuff became the sort of, part and parcel of the cultural zeitgeist of the late 1960s. And men, I believe, began to believe that this was really true about them and that they needed to get in touch with their inner feminine. This was what was being talked about also. You know, you need to get in touch with your inner feminine and, uh, you know, get in touch with your right brain and stuff like that. And what that really meant was you need to be more effeminate. You need to be less masculine and you need to be more feminine 
in your way of relating to the world and other people specifically. And that is part and parcel of what is happening to the American male. And I'll talk more about this when we come back from the upcoming break, which is about 20 seconds away. Again, I'm John Rosemond. I'm heard on American Family Radio every Saturday at 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern. I will be back in a moment with more of this politically incorrect stuff. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. John Roseman here, Because I Said So is the name of the show. You can find us here on American Family Radio exclusively, by the way. Thank you, Tim Wildman and Devin Patrick and all the rest of you wonderful people in Tupelo, Mississippi. I love all of you and certainly am privileged that you allowed me the privilege of hosting a weekly Talk at you show on your network. If you want to find out more about me and my mission slash ministry, you can go to John at, uh, no, that's my email address. I almost gave the whole thing out. <laughs> you probably could figure it out now. JohnRoseman.com. And uh, you can uh, just find out about my books and newspaper column, The Last Five columns are posted on the website and upcoming speaking engagements. I'm going to be all over the country in the fall. I'm going to be all the way from uh, east. Let's see. The easternmost place I'm going to be is probably my hometown of New Bern, North Carolina. And the westernmost place I'm going to be is a couple of times in the Los Angeles area in San Clemente and I believe Ventura or something. No, Valencia. That's the name of it. Anyway, go to uh, johnroseman.com, not my email address, which I almost gave out, and you can find out all of that information. So anyway, I'm talking about this um, article that uh, I have here in front of me that talks about the fact that millennials, 18 to 34-year-olds, are increasingly males and females living at home but many more males percentage-wise than females. And I was talking about how talk show host Michael Medved was talking about how, you know, he would welcome his millennial kids back home, and that would be a wonderful thing, and and how my reaction was, well, it might be wonderful for you, but it's not wonderful for the rest of the country that young people these days are not willing to accept personal responsibility for their own upkeep as did people in my generation and prior generations. We got out there and hard-scrabbled it. Uh, We figured it out. I was talking about the fact that my wife and I brought our first child, Eric, home to a 40-foot-long single-wide trailer. We didn't have a car, and we got a car a year later, and we walked everywhere. Uh, The trailer was parked about uh, two blocks away from my college campus at Western Illinois University, and rain or snow, uh, sub-zero temperatures, which there often were in the wintertime, boiling hot in uh, August and early September, as it usually was. We walked everywhere, and we were just, we were just in, in hog heaven. 
because we were independent and we were doing what we had wanted to do ever since we were young children, and that is make our own way in the world. It was just a wonderful thing. And the question is, why aren't young people willing to do this today? Why aren't they willing to do it? And my theory is, number one, we live in an age where responsibility is no longer a uh, value in America. It is no personal responsibility is no longer a value. We live in an increasingly socialist, uh, political, and cultural environment, and socialism, by its very definition, downplays, denigrates, devalues personal responsibility. In fact, socialism encourages dependence upon the state because they want the loyalty of the people to be to the state primarily and to nothing else, to no deity, to not to family, etc. So, as we have moved left in America since the 1960s, personal responsibility has been devalued. I think that's one aspect of this. Another aspect of this is that we are seeing since the 1960s the collapse of masculinity. Before the break, I was talking about the fact that as the neo-feminist movement emerged in the 1960s, with their characterization of men as sexual predators, aggressors, natural aggressors, who just wanted to keep women in the kitchen pregnant barefoot and deny women rights and so on and so forth, that men really began to believe that uh, what they were hearing, this constant drumbeat, this anti-male, anti-masculine drumbeat that they were hearing from the increasingly left-leaning mainstream media in America, and make no mistake about it, the neo-feminist movement had captured the ear of the mainstream media in the late 1960s, that what they were hearing, this constant message from the media, was true about them. And men began to feel, and I was there, I, I, I know this to be the case, men began to feel there was something wrong with them. And this was reflected in the fact that men were being told that we needed to get in touch with our inner feminine. We needed to get in touch with the the female part of us that that was inside of us. Well, this is, you know, absolute hooey, folks. Uh, God did not create a man with a woman inside of him. And and this is probably, you know, the, the beginnings of this whole transgender thing and what bathroom in North Carolina should you use and so on and so forth. That we men were being told, oh, that you know, there's a woman inside of you, and you need to get in touch with this woman who's inside of you because she's a better person. She's more sensitive, and and she she just uh, is more intuitive, and she's more nurturing, and so on and so forth. And you need to get in touch with this woman because there's something wrong with you, and it can be corrected only by you getting in touch with this feminine nature that's inside of you, hiding in there, that the culture has repressed, and so on and so forth. And I believe that since then, masculinity has been sliding downhill. We have witnessed the slow collapse of masculinity in America. My wife and I were in, it's like men don't want to grow up. You know, it's like they don't know who they are and they just don't want to grow up. They just want to remain boys because being a boy is a safe thing to be, relatively speaking. Being a man, you have to be responsible. You have to be hardworking. You have to uh, or you should support a woman and children 
you should be a responsible individual. And men, I don't think they uh, any longer understand this. They're confused about what man means, confused about what their role in society ought to be according to God's plan, even Christian young men, but less so in my estimation. But anyway, my wife and I were in a uh, shopping center a couple of years ago, and my wife just suddenly said, you know, they dress like toddlers. And I said, who dresses like toddlers? And she said, young men, they dress like toddlers, look at them. And I looked around, and indeed, there, there were all these men who were wearing, I mean, young men, I'm not sure they're men. Uh, You know, man does not mean you're 21. Man means something else. And I'm really not sure these are men. Uh, They're they're just, they're kind of hung up between boy and man. There's some transitional zone in there that they occupy. And anyway, I look at at these guys, and they're all walking around, baseball caps, many of them turned around backwards, oversized T-shirts, oversized basketball shorts, and flip-flops. I mean, they look, you know, they look like tot- big 200-pound toddlers with hairy legs. And it, it was just a, this startling revelation, courtesy of my wife, that, wow, they don't want to grow up, do they? There is no equivalent to this way of dressing, presenting yourself in public among young women. Young women do not dress like three-year-old girls. They dress like young women. And this was, I mean, it was mind-blowing to me. It really did bring home the fact that masculinity has collapsed in America. And these guys, they gather at night in sports bars where there are 50 television sets. They're obsessed. They have this, excuse me, excuse me, childish obsession with sports. I mean, sports are okay, but when you get obsessed, that's really childish. And they they drink beer, and they're just kind of, you know, they're making themselves uh, irrelevant. And that is why women are graduating at a higher rate from college, graduate school, medical school, law school, business school. That's why women are leaving home and establishing independent uh, living arrangements for themselves earlier. This is why slowly but surely women's incomes are going to outstrip men's and so on and so forth. Michael Medved and the article that uh, I am using as the sort of research background for this show talk about how the economy is a large contributor to this. I disagree with that. Because there are plenty of young people who get out there, despite the fact that the economy has been in the toilet for the last eight years, coinciding with a certain presidential administration, by the way. Uh, I could go on and on about that. Shame on you if you voted for the guy because you wanted to be, you know, at the cutting edge of uh, social advancement or whatever cultural uh, progress. But no, it's not that. It's not a bad economy because there are plenty of young people who get out there and they work hard and they work at two jobs and they leave home and they get in a a small apartment and they get married and they, uh, with their spouse, they work themselves up the economic ladder, uh, pulling themselves one rung at a time. 
And anybody with a sense of responsibility and personal dignity can do this, I believe. I am convinced of this. And the fact that this is no longer happening is a... It is an ominous sign here in America. We need to reclaim the values that made this country great. Do I sound like somebody? If I do, maybe it's purposeful. Anyway, this has been John Rosemond. Another episode, if you will, of Because I Said So. You can go to johnrosemond.com and find out more about my books, upcoming speaking engagements. I've enjoyed being with you this last 30 minutes. Hope you've enjoyed it, too. God bless all of my listeners. Have a good evening.